This week, Peter Mantias brought us a story from the town of Torrey, which is located along Seneca Lake in Yates County. Peter is the creator of The Waterfront Online, and his environmental reporting in the Finger Lakes is second to none. One of the stories he's really focused on in recent months has been the transition to Bitcoin mining in a power plant called Greenwich Generation. See, environmental activists have been calling for the DEC and local officials to do their due diligence when it comes to holding Greenwich accountable for the potential damage it is doing to Seneca Lake. For their Bitcoin mining operation, which could grow even larger in the years to come, water is pulled in from Seneca Lake without being filtered, and it's expelled significantly warmer back into the Cuca outlet, which feeds into Seneca Lake. But this is where Peter's most recent story about Greenwich gets interesting. Torrey Town officials heard this week from a local fisherman who put it this way, the fishing has gone to hell, end quote. As it turns out, fishermen across the region are skipping Seneca Lake and going elsewhere. I'm Josh Durso for FingerLakesOne.com, and today on the show, a conversation with Peter Mantius about his reporting and what's at stake for Seneca Lake and the rest of the Finger Lakes region if this project moves forward. The idea was that the restart was to provide uh, power to the electric grid, uh, not all the time, but part of the time when power was most needed. Well, it turns out that that was a really uh, lame business. Uh, there was just less and less demand, at least at, at you know at the, at the agreed upon price, and the uh, the plant was used uh, less and less, even less than ten percent of its capacity uh, in 2019. So um, the company, the owners, decided uh, that they would go on a totally different business plan. They would start. Uh, using computers to process Bitcoin transactions um, and use power uh, that was sort of sitting idly there, at least the potential for it was there, uh, use that power to process Bitcoin transactions, which takes an enormous amount of power. Um, They started doing this early last year. Um, This summer, the company uh, applied to uh, well, locally and to the DEC, uh, they have to get permits from both. Uh, they've applied to greatly expand uh, this uh, Bitcoin processing. Now, this is this uh, uses energy that never goes to the electric grid. It just goes straight to those computers uh, right there on site at the plant. Now, the issue is there are several environmental groups uh, that are very concerned that this big ramp up of um, electric power used by the uh, <clears throat> by the power plant there is going to cause a lot of environmental damage. Uh, when the plant was restarted, it it received some um, very um, I would say easygoing environmental uh, permit. Uh, conditions. And uh, for example, uh, the plant uses water, tremendous amount of water from Seneca Lake to cool uh, its machinery. And the pipe that takes this water in from Seneca Lake has no um, has no screens on it to uh, minimize the amount of fish and, and other aquatic light that gets sucked in. Um, now, that's a requirement of the, of the Federal Clean Water Act that plants have that. And most, just about every plant in the United States has those kind of screens, but um, Greenwich does not. 
And also, uh, this water gets expelled into Cuca Outlet at much warmer temperatures uh, than than it was uh, taken out of the lake at. And that's a problem for fish, trout, and other fish that, that can't handle that much warmer water. Also, there's the idea, that the, the strong suspicion, uh, that the warmer water tends to promote uh, harmful algal blooms. So now the question is, uh, is the town of Tory going to uh, kind of give the green light to this uh, large expansion of the use of, uh, of the greenage plant. That's where we stand right now. And the, uh, the local planning board uh, voted uh, four to one um, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, uh, to basically uh, not require an environmental impact statement, uh, but to, to basically move the process forward. Now, the town board, the Tory town board, uh, took no action last week when they were asked by these environmental groups for a three-month moratorium uh, on, on granting uh, the, ex- the Bitcoin expansion. So uh, now the planning board is meeting again tonight. I'm not quite sure what they're going to be taking up tonight, um, but it is sort of a live issue right now. And and the, what's made it particularly interesting is that uh, uh, a couple of people who have commented about this are fishermen who say that uh, that the fishing in Seneca Lake has really gone downhill in the last uh, in the last few years, but really the last couple of decades. And uh, there's there's uh, it's unclear whether the plant has anything to do with that or not. It very well may, but uh, it, you know the, the concrete evidence on that is is yet to be really you know established, yet to be proven. Um, but even so, uh, allowing uh, you know the, the water to be sucked into the plant um, without screens and the much warmer water discharges. Uh, or, you know, could easily affect fishing in the future. That's where we stand. And I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think one of the interesting things from from my perspective as, as a journalist who's watched this story sort of evolve over the last, say, uh, six to 12 months is that fishing angle, which feels different than your normal run-of-the-mill uh, environmental activist opposition to a project like this or to a development like this from your perspective does does it feel like the 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 fact that you know people who fish in Seneca Lake who have this different kind of experience with the lake coming forward does it feel like that adds a different flavor to this in terms of what the local uh, what the local policymakers are actually considering well, I hope they pay attention to it now. Uh, you know, I think the, the experience of fishermen varies tremendously. I mean, some some person may go out and do really, really well, and then another person might try for, you know, days and not do anything. So it's a little bit tricky to know exactly, well, how much worse is the fishing in Seneca Lake? Um it, you know, we we do have some indication from this uh, from the National Lake Trout uh, Derby, which is held every Memorial Day and has been for several decades now. And uh, apparently, their participation and the number of trout that are caught—actually, um, several kinds of fish—are uh, caught in that derby. Have you know has really really declined in the last couple of decades, frankly. Um, so. Uh, 
I would think that that uh, it would it would become um, more maybe more urgent for the uh, policymakers to pay attention to this to try to figure out well is there a connection here or or not. Um, you know, the DEC um, has uh, all but abdicated its responsibility on this because they're allowing the town of Tory to make the call as to whether there's a full environmental impact statement on this, um, you know, on, on this uh, Bitcoin expansion as if it were just an issue for the town of Tory, which, of course, it's not. It's an issue for Seneca Lake. And that's reflected by the fact that even the uh, county board of supervisors from Seneca County across the lake, they're right a letter in opposition to this and yet here we here the DEC has basically uh, stepped aside or and, and not not stepped in to say hey this is not a town of Tory issue this is well it is a town of Tory issue but it's but it's a, it's a lake-wide issue and they're the ones that should be um, you know determining uh, what the environmental issues are but it's because you know clearly there are implications for Seneca Lake and and these groups not only not only Seneca County but you've got the uh, committee to preserve the Finger Lakes you've got Seneca Lake Pure Waters Association you've got the Sierra Club you've got Seneca Lake Guardian um, independent scientists are also are saying you know you really need to look at this and so is it really appropriate for the town of uh, Tory planning board to be the ones who are making the call that has such ramifications for, uh, you know, potentially a lot of people on the lake, including, you know, the, the hundred thousand or so who drink the water drawn from the lake. So um, that's where we stand right now. These groups are uh, asking the DEC to step in. And in fact, uh, the Committee to Protect the Finger Lakes uh, wrote a letter to the DEC asking them to, to rewrite Greenwich's uh, permits or revoke them. Now, the DEC wrote a letter back to them on October 23rd saying, no, we're not going to, everything's fine. <laughs> so the DEC is, is sort of just saying, uh, not our problem. How often does that happen? I mean, it seems like it would be a pretty unique set of circumstances for the DEC to just go hands off on a situation like this, especially when, you know, Seneca Lake has obviously been at the center of of a lot of discussions around HEBs uh, and other environmental uh, state, I'll I'll call them big uh, statewide environmental projects or projects that get attention across the state. So how often does it seem like the DEC is taking this approach where they go more hands-off as opposed to uh, doing what it seems like they're supposed to be doing? I mean, it's it's not unusual. I mean, you just go over one lake and look at the fact that – the DEC has never required a uh, environmental impact statement for the the giant salt mine that's under that lake uh, that extends for miles under that lake. And independent scientists are all saying, you know, they're all basically, you know, up in arms saying that is really, really dangerous what you're doing. It's and and you're not providing any kind of uh, um, any anywhere near enough public information. Uh, well, information to the public on, on the, the level of risk, but the, but the scientists are really concerned about it. And the DEC, in that case, is also um, not requiring, has never required an environmental impact statement. 
it, which seems to you know fly in the face of the of the state uh, uh, law in terms of um, you know the, the law basically says if there is a potential um, environmental issue, you're supposed to do an environmental impact statement if there's a major issue that is that's outstanding. And clearly, there is with that salt plant under the lake there. And clearly, I think there is in the Greenwich case now. Um, but also, you know, they haven't they've not been aggressive either about uh, regulating the drill cuttings that are coming from uh, uh, from Pennsylvania. Uh, they've allowed a lot of that to go through. Um, so it, it's not unusual for the DEC to uh, take a very relaxed role. And often I think there are political considerations. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, at the crux of your story is the long term health and uh, the long-term concerns about or around Seneca Lake. So, you know, drilling down a bit specifically, what are some of the uh, quote-unquote, uh, say, worst case and maybe less worst case scenarios that uh, advocates are worried about happening on Seneca Lake if this is left unchecked or at the very least um, some time isn't given to consideration or what could happen if Greenwich proceeds? Well, the fishing issue is, is obviously part of it, but I would I would think that uh, there maybe maybe their deeper concern are the uh, the harmful algal blooms, and uh, you know Greenwich has told the uh, told the, the Tory Town Board or or Planning Board, I'm not sure which, uh, that uh, that the Dresden Bay had not been a hot spot for harmful algal blooms, and it's true this year. Uh, Seneca Lake got off really light compared to all the other Finger Lakes. Seneca Lake really just knocked the bullet this year with Habs. But in uh, the past four years, I mean, from 2015 to 2019, uh, Dresden Bay absolutely was a hot spot for Habs. Um, now, part of that is because it's shallow water there. It, it's possible that that has little or nothing to do with the power plant. It's possible, but it, but it's not. Um, it's also possible that the power plant has been contributing to that, to it being a hot spot. That's where an environmental impact statement would be really useful. And to, you know, to deny that, that uh, these projects have any impact on the environment is just, it's not reality. It's, it's, uh, uh, it, it, it's something that is, uh, it's an accommodation to the, uh, the people that own the, the, the plant and the people that, uh, are making the application for the permits. They're accommodating them rather than protecting the lake. And, you know, as you watch this thing unfold and this process play out, um, what is the expectation as, you know, you've you've been moving through your reporting, obviously, over a pretty long period of time now on this topic. Um, what is the expectation for remaining timeline before a final, a, a so-called final resolution to this thing actually plays out? Are we talking about weeks? Are we talking about potentially months more? Are we talking about if nothing happens, maybe a matter of days before uh, things proceed and move forward? Well, it all depends on whether the DEC steps in and, and uh, you know, and, and takes any kind of action or if they just completely defer to the town of Tory planning board. Um, you know, if, if they defer, things could go pretty quickly. Now, the DEC still has to give a permit itself, um, but uh, 
you know, if there's no environmental impact statement, um, you know, that that can go relatively quickly. Now, if there is an environmental impact statement, that puts the brakes on everything. You have a, you, it, it, it can take, uh, you know, certainly a year or more. It's expensive to, for the, uh, you know, for the company. It's, you know, the, the companies, um, like the owners of Greenwich, they work really hard to avoid doing an environmental impact statement because time and expense. So, I mean, you understand why they would prefer to sidestep it. And in order to sidestep it, what do you do? Well, you hire, um, you hire really good lawyers. You hire, um, you hire lobbyists that are connected to the governor. Uh, these are the steps that you take to, uh, you know, to, to try to sidestep that doing the environmental impact statement. The, the thing about an environmental impact statement is that it really requires you to go a lot deeper into what the actual environmental risks are. And it's quite public. There are public hearings and it's a, you know, it can be a messy, slow, expensive process. Could the uh, prospect of an environmental impact study potentially derail or at the very least maybe make Greenwich reconsider what they're doing down there? Oh, well, they're, you know, absolutely. One thing that it would do, I think, right away, if you had an environmental impact statement, it would raise the question of why was Greenwich allowed to restart that plant uh, without uh, requiring a conversion to closed cycle cooling? And closed cycle cooling, all that does is uh, when the water comes in, is sucked in from the lake, it has to be recycled rather than just, uh, right now it's called uh, once through cooling. Right now it takes in the water and spits it right back out. Uh, if you put in a recycling system, it, it reduces the uh, the amount of water that you have to suck in in the first place by um, at least 10, maybe, maybe 50 times. That's how much less water you have to use which means uh that much less fish getting sucked into the pipe that means that much less hot water being uh pushed out into a puka outlet and the dec said in 2011 that it was their uh their their policy they were stating a policy that whenever there's a new plant or a repowered plant that their performance goal was going to be to, to require uh, closed cycle cooling. Um, so that never happened. Green has never had to do that. And an environmental impact statement might say, well, now, why was that never required? It's supposed to be state policy. Why was that not required? Why was it never discussed? Hmm. <clears throat> That's one of the things that could certainly come up. Um, you've mentioned uh, the Cuca outlet a couple times now uh, during our conversation, and I'm curious, um, has it actually been maybe more affected by this than Seneca Lake itself has been, or is this just sort of the, the process by which the water goes and moves through and it's all sort of um, equally well, equally troubling? No. Okay, now, remember, the water is is sucked into the plant from a pipe that goes out into Seneca Lake. But it's expelled um, into Cuca Outlet, and Cuca Outlet, um, the, you know, it goes through. Uh, it's not very far at all that from, from the point that is discharged into Cuca Outlet that it flows into Seneca Lake. Now that that little portion at the end of Cuca Outlet, um, where you have the discharged water flowing into Seneca Lake, that has definitely been heated up, and. Um, uh, 
Green had just said that that it's going to uh, it's going to study the warming patterns, but it's it said we won't have a report until 2022. So some some uh, volunteers associated with uh, the the committee to preserve the Finger Lakes uh, went out and just did some informal monitoring, and they found that the temperature there was um, between 80 and 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, now the DEC says on its website that you, you, you begin stressing, if not killing, trout at 70 degrees. So if you're going 80 to 100 degrees, that, that's not a good environment for trout. And Kuka Outlet is a designated trout stream, uh, DEC designated trout stream. So here the DEC, um, you know, is, is saying that if it goes over 70 degrees, there's bad news for the trout. And yet it's allowing this discharge, a lot of discharge, um, to occur <clears throat> In the QK outlet. Interesting. Um, so I, I guess my last question for you here is what are the next steps? What are the, the next things that we're going to be seeing play out, whether that be in uh, local town offices or, or meetings or at the state level? Well, I, I should also say that uh, this has gone to court. Uh, the uh, Sierra Club has sued a couple of times over um, over the water permits, which is the, the discharge permit and the uh, the intake permit. Uh, and and air uh, air permits for uh, air pollution, and uh, Greenwich has won in court every, at, at at multiple levels. They won at the uh, at the at the Supreme Court level, and they've won at the appellate level. So what we've seen so far is the courts are reluctant to overturn the uh, the regulatory decisions done by the Department of Environmental Conservation. Um, so it's you know, you can say, well, there are going to be lawsuits. Well, there have been lawsuits in the past. You don't know whether that's going to be um, enough to change it. I think really this this is ultimately going to come down to the governor. Um, you know, the governor has um, – he, he's allowed that uh, giant salt mine under Cayuga Lake to go on, uh, you know, uh, creating that risk with no environmental impact statement for a, a decade for his entire time in office. He's doing the same thing here with Greenwich. And it's a question of, are you going to continue to let that happen? And, um, uh, you know, apparently, uh, apparently he is. Um, so uh, it, it's hard to tell where it's going to where it's going to go and, and uh, who's going to make the final decision. But I think that uh, I think that the DEC needs to step in in the Greenwich case for sure, and that maybe uh, the governor needs to uh, you know insist that that happen. All right, Peter. As always, appreciate the time. Thanks for taking it. Absolutely. The Debrief Podcast is a production of FingerLakes1.com Digital Media. It's hosted daily by members of the FL1 News team and was created by Josh Durso and Gabriel Petrazio. If you enjoy the program, here's what you can do to support us. Visit patreon.com slash FL1 and become a monthly subscriber. Those dollars go directly to ensuring programs like this can continue well into the future. Subscribe and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave us a review. Those help us find new listeners and continue growing our audience. If you want to check out past episodes or listen to any episode on demand, we're everywhere you listen to podcasts. We're even on Spotify, so listen and follow us there to get the latest episodes as they're uploaded. We also host a weekly live-streamed edition of the show. You can check that out on the FingerLakes1.com YouTube channel. For the entire FingerLakes1.com team, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.